0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Oxnard, California, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Oxnard, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to Oxnard. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors.
1: Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. This is James Orr, and this is the last class of Q1 2023. So uh, it is a an interesting class, one that I've not really taught specifically before, and it's gonna be a really short class too, but it's this idea that creative financing means nothing down. The question really is, is creative financing really nothing down? And so that's what we're going to cover.
0: So there are
1: more traditional nothing down options. There's things like private money where you go ask grandma if, uh, you know, if she's interested in, in investing some money or allowing you to borrow some money. There's hard money where a hard money lender allows you to buy a property, usually a deeply discounted property that needs work. Um, and you don't have to put any of your own money into the deal. There are VA loans, if you're a veteran, where you can buy a property with nothing down. And with VA loans in particular, a lot of times you can um, finance in your closing costs and things like that. Um, there are USDA loans where you can buy rural property, but not properties inside cities. Um it has to be usually rural property outside major cities. There's an eligibility map by the USDA that shows you which properties this qualifies for. Uh, and then sometimes in some markets, there's a local bank that will offer some type of nothing down loan. But then there's the whole family of creative financing. You know, the things like subject to and owner financing and wrap financing and, you know, agreement for deed or installment land contracts or lease option, lease purchase, like all of the different creative ways that real estate investors like to buy properties. But are those really nothing down? So I think there's this misconception out there that creative financing is a euphemism for nothing down financing. And and you can buy creative deals with nothing down, with
0: no down payment. In fact, why
1: don't I cover that now? I I plan on covering it a little bit later, but uh, I'll jump ahead and I'll cover it now. Nothing down, no
0: down payments, no money required. They're all the same, right? Nothing down, no down payments, no money
1: required. They're, they're, they're the same. Is that correct? And the answer is no, they're not correct. You know, just because a loan program does not require a down payment or a, or a, a seller does not require a down payment, That does not necessarily mean that there is no money required to do the deal. And while you might not need a down payment for some creative financing deals, in many cases, I I would even go as far as to say the overwhelming majority of cases, you will need money in order to do these deals. Uh, let me just kind of name a couple things out there and and you may be thinking, James I think you're splitting hairs here. no, I'm not <laughs> this is this is actually like uh if you think you're gonna be able to you know with you know five hundred dollars in your pocket go and do a creative deal, that might be not the best move, okay? so number one, while you definitely can use poor marketing, I, I kind of break down marketing in order to find creative deals into poor marketing and lazy marketing. so poor and lazy marketing. so Poor marketing is when you don't have any money, but you're willing to put in a lot of time and effort in order to find deals. You do manual labor sort of things in order to find deals. For example, you go door to door, you door knock and ask if people are interested in selling their property. And they start talking about doing it creatively. Or you go contact everyone that's got a property for rent on you know the, the rental websites and ask them if they would consider selling to you on a lease option. You know, things like that where it's, the, the strategies don't require any money you're willing to put in all of your time, poor marketing methods, in order to find deals. Lazy marketing, on the other hand, is where you're willing to spend money in order to have deals come to you. You're willing to spend money in order to do direct mail, or you're willing to spend money in, in order to do um, you know, Google pay-per-click, or you're willing to spend money in order to put up bandit signs have someone else put up insights for you, or you're willing to spend money in order to have someone deliver door-to-door flyers. So lazy marketing is where you're willing to spend money in order to have deals coming to you. So you could go do the poor marketing strategies where you don't need to spend money to find deals. But I think after a relatively short period of time, you're going to find that that is not a a good long-term solution for deal flow if you are really serious about this as a business. If you're just trying to find like one property, sure, you could manual labor it and get it done. But if you're really trying to set up a business of buying and selling properties as a real estate entrepreneur, then I think you're going to need to start spending money at some point in order to find deals, especially creative deals, okay? So that is something to take into account, that you're going to need to spend money in order to find deals. And you know, sometimes it's going to be relatively low amounts of money, but I think if you're wanting to consistently find deals, you're probably talking, you know, 1% 1% doesn't seem off to me. You know, you could probably could do it better in some ways and, and get good deal flow. And, and maybe you can get deal flow, but maybe not the, the premier type of deals. So, but I don't think one per, spending 1% of property values in order to find deals is unreasonable with maybe a low end cap of about $2,000. Okay. And if you think about it, like, can you get a motivated seller, some seller of some type to contact you Who's interested in selling you their property? Um, is that that expensive? No. Now is it? Is that the type of deal you want? I think it be, becomes the next question, is does every seller who calls you, who calls you on your marketing, are they a qualified deal for you? And I think the answer is definitely not. In fact, you could go and be stricter in your deal criteria and only do deals that make sense. Man, I'm going off on some crazy tangents right now in my head. Like, just because a deal does not require down payment, does that mean you should do the deal? Absolutely not. Sometimes those are the deals you want to avoid. There may be a reason why it's nothing down. Um, but sometimes you'll get a great deal where it does make sense to go buy a property and it's nothing down. Okay, so you will need money to find deals. I guess is where I'm going with this. So that's, you know, even if it's no down payment, you still got to spend some money. And, you know, it's usually 1% or so in order to acquire the deal that way. And I think you would be, you know, I like to, I'm I'm usually pretty kind and gentle, you know, saying, you know, you probably should do this, you know, you know, you definitely want to probably consider doing this or whatever it is. But I will tell you, this is one of the times when I get a little bit more assertive. And I will tell you, you would be stupid to do deals without reserves. Now, can you, if you're like just starting out, And you're like, you've got no reserves and you're trying to like make this whole thing work. Can you risk it and not have reserves and do your first deal? You can. Uh, Is it prudent to do so? I don't think so. But I think there's some folks, some new investors especially, who have a, um, their desire to succeed
0: exceeds their, I don't know, their, their
1: ability to, be sensitive and prudent and, I don't know, to uh, kind of be safe, okay? So you can do that, but I think you you should have six months of reserves for every property that you buy. And you can't use the reserves for another property as reserves for the new property. I, I think that's a conservative position, but I think it's the right position. So, if you're going to go buy a property and you're going to go buy a, I don't know, $400,000 property, and the monthly payment on that is, I don't know, $2,200 a month, probably need about 13 grand set aside in order to have that done. I mean, 2000 times six is 12 grand, plus, you know, 200 times six is another 1200. So, you know, somewhere in the 13 grand range in order to have adequate reserves. So, is that nothing down? Well, it's no down payment, maybe, if you can get the deal with no down payment. But it is, no, is it no money required? Absolutely not. And a lot of times when you're buying these creative deals, sometimes you're buying your pretty houses, but a lot of times when you're buying you know properties from motivated sellers, there's some deferred maintenance. There are some repairs that are required. There are some capital expenses that need to be paid in order to acquire the deal um, in the right way. And so a lot of times you'll need some money in order to do repairs. Now you can go buy the property very creatively and you could uh, you know market it as a fixer-upper to the right tenant buyer who wants to come in, you know, trade sweat equity for um, you know getting into the property. Maybe you're willing to do that. So you could sort of overcome that. But I think not having the money to do those repairs if you can't find the right tenant buyer um, may not be the, the most prudent thing to do either. You know, it's kind of like part of the reserves. And repairs are different than reserves. Okay. The money you set aside for maintenance and repairs and capital expenses on properties, that is not your reserves. They're different. Um, and if you happen to be in a market where you're buying these properties very creatively, and one of the reasons you're able to get them with no money down is because the sellers really don't have that much equity in the property, you might have, maybe even likely to have, especially where interest rates are up now. Maybe if you're taking over, you know, existing debt on properties from, uh, you know, when interest rates were really low. It might be a little bit different, but if you're dealing with properties where they bought them and the interest rates were at you know six, six and a half, seven percent, um, you're you're like more likely, I would say, to have negative cash flow on the property. And we could do the 88 strategies we have to improve cash flow to try to mitigate that as much as possible. But in some cases, you might still have a little bit of negative cash flow, especially if you don't take into account the tax benefits of depreciation. And so it would be prudent for you, just like it would be prudent to have reserves. For you to set aside at least the negative cash flow. You know, set aside that extra money that is gonna be the negative, the cumulative amount of negative cash flow that you might expect in that property until it goes positive. And we talk about that in some other classes, but I, I think that is also prudent. So, you know, between money to find deals, reserves, repairs, and capital expenses, any cumulative, negative cash flow you might have. Um, I think that it's not really no money required and it might be no down payment and and not not only taking into account closing costs, which, you know, I'm assuming are, are close to zero for you if you're buying something creatively, but they might not be, might actually be, you know, some money for some closing costs, depending on how you're doing. If you're using title companies to get title insurance, or if you're, you know, sort of like getting the deed at the kitchen table, which I think is frowned upon for, for most people these days, but I mean, I digress. So to have money, money to find deals, reserves, repairs, capital expenses, cumulative negative cash flow, uh, plus not every deal you're going to come across is going to be able to be done with no down payment, and I think you would be wasting a lot of your marketing, wasting a lot of your effort if you're doing kind of more of the poor marketing methods and coming across deals that could be amazing deals, but they are, you know, they require ten thousand dollars. So if you if you kind of are oh, I only will do deals if they're nothing down. I think you could be eliminating some potentially really good deals doing that. Um, And I I would even argue sometimes the better deals. So is this really a no money required type of situation? There may be no money down, like the, the seller does not actually require you to give them money, but it's probably not no money required. Now, to be fair, in some cases you might be able to use some of the money from a tenant buyer You you acquire the property creatively and you put a tenant who's also planning on buying the property from you, you know, you're doing a lease option to them or rent to own to them or some other thing, but you sometimes can use the money you collect from a tenant buyer when they finally move into the property to help reimburse you for some of the money that you spent. So in that case, you know, if you get a tenant buyer coming in and they give you, I don't know, 1%, 2%, 3%, 5%, you know, in some really extreme cases, more than 5%, 10% down, um, in order to be able to come in as an option fee, a, a non-refundable option fee, if you've structured it that way, um, to be able to purchase the property. You know, in a lot of cases, it's it's completely negotiated how you set this up. But um, in some cases, that does apply toward the purchase. So you're really just taking some of the profit you have uh, from when you're going to be selling the property to them, and you're getting it up front. So it's really just reimbursing you some of the profit in the deal if you think of it that way, and if you've structured it that way, but you could use the option fee from the tenant buyer to help offset that. So if you're doing a, I don't know, a uh, property that is you know four hundred thousand dollars or so, and you're getting a five percent option fee on that, you know maybe you're getting twenty thousand dollars, and that could help offset some of the money you needed to find the deals. Um, it could help with some of the reserves, although it's probably not enough for the reserves, and it could help with some of the repairs, capital expenses, if. In the end, you end up needing to do those. If Even if you're advertising it to a you know fixer-upper, rent-to-own, where the, te- with the tenant buyer is coming in with the intention of fixing up the little property and getting a slight discount in order to do that. Um, and if you have negative cash flow on it, maybe that helps offset a little bit of that. But it's it's hard to use that money to replace everything you're going to need in order to do the deal. So I don't think that creative financing is really a no-money-required type of situation. It may be nothing down, but I don't think it's really a no money required situation there okay so let's go look at the different types of creative financing and then we'll walk through kind of like whether i think that you're likely to find these with nothing down or if they're kind of like in the universe of nothing down and we can just kind of look at it that way so here's the six types of creative financing i kind of grouped them into six groups uh owner financing is when the seller does not have a mortgage on the property they have to own it free and clear and they decide to act like the bank. They become the lender instead of you going out and getting a loan on the property. And so I think because this is negotiated between you as the buyer and the seller of the property, that you could negotiate with them in order to have this be a no down payment type situation. Now, you're probably going to have some closing costs unless you get the seller to pay for those. Um, You probably do do need reserves. In some cases, you might need repairs. You know, just like all the different things we talked about. So can you get a no down payment situation with owner financing? Yes. I think there are times, and it is probably more common than getting nothing down, where the seller is willing to do owner financing, but they might require you to have a little bit of skin in the game. A little bit of down payment. So I think the unicorn sort of situation is a no down payment situation owner financing. And you definitely can get those. And honestly, you could, you could structure these in a way where you can make it so that it looks like no down payment to you, but it's technically not. For example, just as one hypothetical example, you could go get a hard money loan as a first mortgage for doing owner financing, give the seller most or all of that amount. So, you know, you have $400,000 property that's owned free and clear by the seller. You know, part of your structure in the deal is you get a hard money lender to loan you $40,000. You give the seller, or maybe it's $50,000. You give the seller $40,000 of it. You keep $10,000 to help offset, you know, some of the money that you need in order to acquire the deals and some reserves that you need to make up or whatever it is. And then um, the seller finances the rest. You know, the the remaining $360,000 in this case that you owe them. Okay. And so you could structure that in a way where it doesn't look like a down payment to you because you borrow the down payment as a hard money loan and even though the hard money loan might be, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12, 15, 18%, whatever it is that you're able to negotiate for your hard money terms or maybe it's a private loan. Maybe you're able to get much better rates on those. Um but, you know, that could be a way to do it. So owner financing, you definitely could do no down payment, although I think you're more likely to find ones where the seller requires some down payment. I think there are strategies where you could kind of overcome that. Wrap financing is where the seller still has an underlying loan on the property and they decide to finance the whole purchase for you and keep the existing small loan in place and they'll collect the payment. They'll keep part of it. They'll use the rest of it to pay off their smaller loan um, as you make payments. So for example, $400,000 property, the seller now owes 100,000 on it but they agree to finance the full 400,000, so they collect a payment for the full 400,000. they take part of the payment that you're paying them, and they pay off a little bit of the underlying loan. Okay? You know, another way to think about this. It's subject to, but where the seller is still involved and has recourse if you stop paying. That's another way of saying it. And at least in Colorado, the uh, the division of, I think it's the division of securities prefers that you structure it that way as wrap financing rather than taking over the property subject to. Okay, so can you do those with nothing down? Absolutely. Are all of them going to be nothing down? No, I mean, as, as soon as the seller has some equity, I think that they are um, motivated to ask you for some of the equity that they have in a lot of cases. Okay, so again, you can do those with nothing down, but might not be completely likely. What about loan assumption? Where you formally go in and assume responsibility for the loan directly to the lender. Like the, like the seller has an FHA loan with really good interest rate and you go in there and you formally assume the loan. Can you do that with nothing down? I think in theory you can. I think the challenge is in a market where property values have gone up very rapidly in the last few years, it might be hard for you to find a property where the seller is willing to let you assume the loan and they don't want any of their equity, right? So if the property was worth three hundred thousand when they bought it, and they got a you know a really good low down payment, three and a half percent down FHA loan with a really good interest rate, but now property values have gone up, you know fifty thousand, dollars hundred thousand dollars. That property is worth four hundred thousand dollars. It might be hard for you to convince the seller that you know taking over your their loan balance at whatever it is, you know two eighty, um, is is a good solution for them when they're leaving, you know hundred thousand dollars plus in the deal. So they may want down payment. Now, if they just got the loan a couple of years ago, or property values have gone down since they've got the loan and they have essentially no equity, and you want to formally come in, assume the loan, move in as a house hacker or a nomad and buy that property with really good, you know, low interest rate FHA financing or something on that, is that a possibility? Sure. That could be nothing now. What about the rent to own, lease to own, lease option, lease purchase family? where you are renting the property from a seller and you have the option or the, or purchase contract to buy the property at some point in the future. Could you structure those where it's nothing down? I think you could. I think you're more likely to find a deal like that where you are putting at least a security deposit down and probably a security deposit and a small option fee. So probabilistically, you're more likely to find those where it requires a little bit of money. But I do think that you could, in theory, at least find a property where the seller is willing to allow you to rent the property and um, have an option to buy it or a purchase contract to buy it. And, And I think there would need to be some motivation there in order for you to do that. What about the agreement for deed, bond for deed, contract for deed, installment, land contract kind of family of creative financing options? Again, I think it's very similar to the rent to own one. I think that you probably could find a seller at least in theory, who is willing to let you do that with nothing down. However, I think most of them are going to want some type of down payment. And then finally, subject to. Subject to is where you buy the property and you leave the existing financing in place. The seller deeds you the property. You are the owner of the property as signified by the deed, but the uh, seller's old loan remains on the property. And in most cases, you're agreeing to make payments on that loan. Could you buy properties with that with nothing down? With no down payment, yeah, I think if the situation was right and the seller owned a seller owed uh, an amount that was the full amount that you'd be willing to pay for the property, sure, you could structure that as a nothing down deal. You know, imagine a seller who is unable to make their mortgage payments anymore, and their alternative is to go through foreclosure and give the property back to the bank. And you come in and say, "Look, don't do that. Um, I'll help protect your credit. I will buy the property from you, and I will start making payments on your loan." And they're like, "Well." The other option for me is to have a foreclosure. I would be willing to sell you this property for what I owe instead of having this foreclosure. Maybe you're getting a small discount doing that. And you're able to acquire the property that way. Sure. Could you do those where you find a, a seller who's just willing to say, yeah, save me from foreclosure, um, You'll know, buy this property from me and start making payments on my loan. And that could be a help to me. I think you could. Now, the chance of you finding one where exactly what they owe is exactly what they're willing to walk away from um you know probabilistically i think that that's relatively small i think you can find those but i think you're more likely to find ones where they have at least some equity or they're like hey look um i need i need at least a security deposit to be able to move into a new place um i'm currently you know living here and i haven't made a payment in 2 months and maybe you even need money in order to make the back payments up as an example but You know, they they may need some type of money to help them get into the next property or to, you know, buy some of their equity from them, even at a discount, if you're going to do it that way. Okay. So, those are the different creative financing options and my kind of take as to whether or not they are likely to be no down payment. And as I covered already, they're not really likely to be no money required. I think you're likely to have some money required in order to do those. You know, the the kind of like the true no money required sort of deals are probably more in the wholesaling, if you're willing to do manual labor in order to find your deals, or, you know, real estate brokerage, if you get a real estate license, you don't usually need money in order to do those transactions either. And unlike wholesaling, where you got to both find a deeply discounted, amazing deal of a property, and then also the buyer of that property, a real estate investor buyer, when you have a real estate license, you could do one or the other of those, and oftentimes get paid a similar amount. You know, if you think about it, three you percent know, of a four hundred thousand dollar property is about twelve grand. And you know, I think for a lot of folks, a, a wholesale fee on a you know an okay deal, not like a crazy um, you know grand slam home run sort of deal, I think it's probably in that twelve k. And you in that in that particular case, you didn't have to do both sides of the transaction. You only had to go find either the seller and then represent them in the transaction to help them sell the property and get top dollar for it, or the buyer in order to help the buyer go buy a property that's already listed in the MLS that some other real estate agent found. And so for half the work, you can get about the same full fee. And it doesn't have to be this super deeply discounted deal. It just requires that you probably pay a little bit money up front and agree to kind of like (laughs) agree to obey the law of, uh, you know, real estate transactions and, you know, licensing law and stuff like that. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like the worst idea in the world to me, Uh, but that's sort of where I'm coming from. So there you go. All right. So in conclusion, while you may be able to find a deal that requires no down payments, these often require you to invest in marketing to find them. I think that's true. And you're also going to need reserves. You know, this is the part where I got really strong with you and told you it would be stupid for you to actually invest in property without reserves. You know, I'm trying to prevent you from making a mistake. And I know that sounds, I know that can sound harsh and I'm not usually a harsh guy, usually kind of very friendly and, you know, say, you know, maybe you're right, maybe I'm wrong. But in this case, I think I'm right. <laughs> so I think you need reserves and I'm trying to protect you from making a mistake uh, by doing that. So, um, but I realized that some of you are starting off and you really don't have money for reserves, but I think that's a immediate first goal for you to kind of get to the point where you could buy a property and find reserves right away. Um, you might need repairs or capital expenses in order to buy a property, especially ones that are you're buying from some type of motivated seller. A lot of times, those have some deferred maintenance on them. Plus, in many cases, especially no down payment deals, you're likely to going to want to set aside some money for cumulative negative cash flow. So If you're buying a property, and the less you put down, the higher the loan to value of the property that you have, the more likely you are to have it be negative cash flow. I think that's just math. It's possible you can get ones that don't, especially if you're able to structure the deal with a very flexible seller. But I think a lot of times you will, you're more likely to have negative cash flow the higher the loan-to-value is on a property. And if you're putting no money down, that usually implies a very high loan-to-value. Okay, And then often having money gives you access to a wider range of deals that you can do. And I'll even add a better assortment of deals that you can do. Not that no money down deals are bad, but I think that having some money where if the right deal came along, it could be a better deal than a no money down deal could be. All right, so that's all I got for you. Hope you enjoyed this class. Kind of a a different take on the kind of like creative financing, no money down sort of uh, ideas there. So hopefully you enjoyed this. This has been James Orr. Hope you have a great day. Bye-bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up, and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates, cash flow on rental properties in Oxnard is harder than ever. Book a call with the Real Estate Financial Planner to apply our proprietary
0: 88 strategies to improve cash flow on your rentals. See the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today. If you're a real estate agent, lender, or professional in Oxnard that wants to help our real estate investor listeners